Hi, I'm Beth Guckenberger, and welcome to the Punch First Podcast. I'm here with my husband, Todd, and we're talking about day eight, how the enemy wants me to dim my light. He wants me to be too weary to fight, and he wants me to be judgmental. And I was just wondering of those three things, is one of those a tactic he uses on you, Todd, more than, more than one of the others? Yeah, I think uh, probably the biggest one, I, I would even maybe summarize it, my perspective, uh, the enemy has one primary goal for us, and it's he wants us to think we're not worthy to stay in the fight. Mm. And I think those lies, that message is constantly coming through to when you when you blow it or you make a mistake or even you blow it up in a in a relational argument or fight and you're like, oh, you know, I'm no longer able to stick it out. And I think the enemy wants us just to put those lies in and, you know, back to back. Um, we we have this phrase around around the round back deck that we say all the time, and we clearly serve at the pleasure of Jesus, and it's awesome, and and that's why we're called to do what we do, and, and everybody steps into that call. But knowing that, for example, you or Matt or Samantha or Jenna, or somebody who we serve alongside, are sticking it out and staying in the fight, it's it's like way way easier knowing someone else is in it. And so we came up with this phrase around here that we, we say, I'm in if you're in. Like, I'll stick it out if you stick it out. Like, And it's not a complaint. It's not even a, it's more like a, a brothers and sisters in arms kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I think even just doing that, knowing that, hey, I'm not going to let you fall out of the fight and I'm not going to let, I'm going to, I'm going to stick it out with you. So it's, it's been a, it's for me, it's a super encouragement. Yeah. And we use it all the time. I mean, I can think of a story one time when you said it to your friend, Matt, and how that, how that just even knowing that in your heart, but then actually even kind of having that verbal contract with other people. Like, I, I, I see what you're doing. Yeah, and I, it's been not just in full-time Christian ministry. It doesn't have to be that. Yeah. It's really, we're talking about stepping into what God's called us in the kingdom, wherever we are. And when I was in that situation with Matt, I'm you know, we'd served together for many years, but I'm like, you know, please, please, let's let's keep this, let's keep doing this together. Let's continue to encourage each other. Yeah. I think when I think about that list for day eight, probably the one that breaks my back is judgment. Mm -hmm. And I wrote in Throw the First Punch about how that was a sin area that I struggled with in my life for a long time and how I felt like God just broke the back of that sin in my life um, through the study of a Bible study written by Rose Miller called Gospel Transformation. And really the pathway to to getting rid of that sin as much as possible in my life was through confession and just realizing there's no time and to think about the sins of others when I'm busy confessing my own sin and how that's the antidote. But I think one of the things about judgment that can happen is you can get a little piece of information. You don't know, like when you hear a kid screaming on an airplane and you're thinking that kid isn't misbehaving, but you don't know, you don't know anything about that child's biology or or family dynamic or you you just have that one little data point and you make a bunch of assumptions and the other day I was serving in one of the sites that we um, have it here at back to back and I had been doing a cooking class with some single moms it was just an excuse to build relationship and connection with these moms and we had made guacamole among some of the other things we made and after they had left I started the cleanup process and I had a bunch of guacamole under my fingernails and I remember thinking to myself when it gets time to wash the dishes, I'm going to clean those fingernails out because that's pretty disgusting to have something green under your fingernails. In the meantime, I was collecting water bottles that people had started and drank but didn't finish and didn't take with them. And one of the water bottles I was getting ready to throw in the trash can, but it was almost full, like maybe somebody took a sip or two. And I didn't want it to break the bag because it was so heavy. 
and anyway, the trash bags weren't that quality. So I took it over to the sink to empty it out in the sink before I threw away the empty bottle. And I thought, well, while I'm here, let's kill two birds with one stone. I'm just going to clean out this guacamole with this water bottle. So I'm, I'm doing that, and a brand new staff member walked behind me. And all he saw was I was washing my hands with purified water. And I now know he left that interaction. Well, we didn't even really talk. I, he just saw me, and he went and told someone, can you believe that Beth Guggenberg? She, she won't even wash her hands with city water. She has to have purified water to wash her hands. And that person who knows me knows I don't even use hand sanitizer. I eat food off the ground. Like, germs are, like, my least concern in life. Well, clearly use someone else's water bottle. I mean, like, I, doesn't even, I mean, actually, it's, like, way grosser than using the water out of the tap. I was using someone's backwash water to wash my hands. Like, that's really way more characteristic of how I am. But I can see how he got to that conclusion. That's what he saw with his eyes. It just wasn't the full picture. I think that happens so much in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and the enemy takes that little data point, which... The enemy didn't make me wash my hands with that water. I did that all by myself. But he took that little tiny example and then he exploited it in a way that could have, if that staff member hadn't gotten the right story, could have caused him to think something about me that wasn't even true. And now we're off to the races. Man, the enemy loves that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, ironically, I think the, the, the message of give the benefit of the doubt comes to mind because you know, because I, like, I was even on a call last week with, with one of our staff members, and I, I assumed a bunch of things. And I'm glad that I had the wherewithal to say, you know, maybe I should ask some questions first. And I think, it, and not that the enemy made me assume those things. I don't, I don't know that that happened. But I think what the enemy wants is to take that and then break relationship. Yeah. And, and isn't going to dive into that. And then we blow things up. And so if we give people the benefit of the doubt or, or assume the best and then ask the questions, it doesn't mean we still can't confront someone or ask hard questions but it it does definitely keep us in relationship how do you think like when i think about you and i in marriage and we know each other's weaknesses in part because we've observed them and in part because we've confessed them to each other uh, I'm still guilty sometimes of being judgmental. I'm and just sitting here thinking, you still love me? <laughs> and you you hear me sometimes say something judgmental about a person that we know or that we don't know. And one of my best defenses in that battle against the enemy is you because you are like a mirror to me. You'll say, Beth, you, you sound judgmental right now. Or, Beth, I don't know if you have all the information. Or, Beth, is that really what what you want to sound like right now like you help me recognize my sin pretty fast mm-hmm. and almost you know hopefully nine times out of ten you know i mean hopefully ten times out of ten but and realistically nine times out of ten i hear you challenge me and it snaps me back into oh you're right that's not that's not that's my flesh thinking that's not my spirit thinking i don't belong to my flesh i belong to the spirit that's not who i am and then the the way that i think that the enemy kind of tends to overplay his hand is in that moment let's say i was being judgmental of someone and you call me on it in that moment just my automatic response once convicted of sin is to pray for the person i was just being judgmental of and then now as a result i i've prayed something for someone else I've confessed my sin, which creates space for the spirit. And you and I are connected because you're doing the work of saying you're worth it to me to iron sharpen my iron, you know? And now the enemy's, he's lost. He's lost in our marriage. He's lost in my heart and he's lost for that other person. And I think those are some examples of how we can kind of take when he overplays his hand and get it right back to him. Like you actually don't get to win here. We're going to win. 
Yeah, and I, I think the most important, I mean, maybe theme throughout the whole book and and is essentially is be a, be alert and aware. Yeah, and and recognize, you know, where where our weakness is, maybe even where others' weakness is, and call it out. But it doesn't have to be abrasive. It's just just recognize, hey, gosh, what would the enemy want here? The enemy would want to break relationship, and I think that's a that's a huge. It's been a. I know it's been even in my own just daily routine thinking that, and it, it gives me pause to think, okay, you know what? I probably don't need to go there yet because the enemy just wants us to kind of jump to conclusions or whatever yeah and i think the whole too weary to fight i think when i get convicted of sin and do a course correct or a repent or a confession it actually it strengthens me it emboldens me it's like you would think that by calling out my sin you'd make me feel worn down but it has the opposite effect it's like it's not gonna get me that's not who i'm gonna be and i i think we're so afraid these days of offending other people that I don't know if we do a good enough job of letting our iron sharpen other people's iron, of of working out our faith with fear and trembling in front of each other, of of the kind of the kind of like honest feedback, which I know that, that I mean that's been the drum you've been beating lately, that you want us to all have more honest feedback with each other and, and it's just we're we are certainly creating a culture that doesn't allow for feedback because we just want, you know, you do you and I'm going to let you do you. I don't know. I don't know if that's healthy anymore. Well, I think especially in close relationships or in, in close community, uh, you, you definitely don't want the feedback to be a dump. You mm-hmm. want it to be an, an inner, in an exchange all the time. And, and I think we have to watch ourselves. I mean, I, I tend to and can be defensive. So uh, if I know that about myself and know that's where the enemy will get me, when you do give me that feedback, I might need a sec- second to take a beat, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so but but being aware of that, knowing my own things, I don't want to make my short-term sin, you know, whether it was an interaction exchange or whatever, to become a bigger issue. That, that's not f- clearly what, what anything I want, but that's definitely what the enemy would want. Yeah, so uh, as we conclude this conversation, whether you're thinking about whose iron is sharpening your iron or what sins you have to defeat in the flesh or who's in if you're in, you know, however this conversation has stirred your pot, I just encourage you to find someone with whom you can exchange it. And together we'll just continue to throw the first punch. Amen.